Hi, I'm Jim Stevens from the Pet Behaviour Centre in Dublin. You're most welcome to this podcast from www.petsbehave.com. In this episode, we'll be looking at COVID isolation and its effect on dogs. We'll be having a discussion with Leisha from Outpaws Dog Walking Service about senior dogs, doggy Alzheimer's, and when is it time to say goodbye. We have a feature on digging, how to stop your lawn becoming a 18-hole golf course. And we have the In the News section for all those little stories and little bits of science that you may have missed. As we enter another period of isolation, lockdown, for the next three or four weeks, I just want to have a quick word with you about how isolation affects your dog. A few things to think about. Most of us work from home, so if you are not usually home through the day, this will be a drastic difference for your dog. Having you around 24-7 may feel like they've scored, but it has some negatives as well. Dogs who are used to sleeping solidly for the 8-12 hours you were absent from the home will undoubtedly be sleeping less. As we all know, the difference between sleep and lack of sleep is immense. Your dog may be feeling some confusion and frustration from being overtired. Dogs who are not used to a quiet house for those 8-12 to hours may be getting more stimulation than they are used to. Often dogs will self-regulate and find a quiet corner to gain rest and relaxation. But dogs who have a lack of ability to turn off either due to temperament, breed reactivity rates or lack of training could wind up feeling overstimulated. And this will be exacerbated by the amount of action in the home. If your kids are at home, especially if they've got cabin fever as well, many multiple people, all affects how your dog is feeling. You may see your dog react differently than they normally do. They may be less tolerant of things that are normally not an issue, and they may get into more mischief than you are used to. So how do you overcome these sort of problems? Well, firstly, keep to routines. Try to keep meal and toilet breaks to their usual times. If you typically walk your dog before work and you were still able to do so, you feel it's safe, try to keep that ritual time happening. Routine creates comfort for us and our dogs. Experiencing familiar events will help them adjust to their new happenings. If you normally crate your dog while you're at work, be sure to crate them while you work from home as well, while you're in another room, for example. Imagine the culture shock they go through when normal life returns and they find themselves isolated, having had constant companionship for those weeks of isolation. Try to offer quiet times for the whole house. There are a couple of ways you can do this. Have controlled measures in place so the entire household can benefit from a nice chunk of time, of quiet time, during the day. As an example, you could implement a rule from, say, 1 to 2pm. This could be TV time, nap time, book time, colouring time. Figure out what works for your household and strive to make it happen every day. In the news, dog fur from grooming parlours is just as good as synthetic fabrics at cleaning up crude oil spills on roads and other hard surfaces. Recycling the offcuts of dogs is not only cheaper, it's also biodegradable rather than the plastic-produced products normally being used. A common spice used in curries has been used successfully in decreasing inflammatory uveitis in dogs. This is a very painful condition 
which causes blindness if not treated. Dogs possess significantly more neurons than the cat. Dogs have 530 million compared to the cat's 250 million neurons. The average human? 16 billion neurons. In the news. Do bigger brains mean smarter dogs? According to new research, bigger dogs with larger brains perform better than their smaller counterparts. Researchers from Arizona have found that bigger dogs have better short-term memories and better self-control, regardless of the extent of training the dogs had received. Today we'll discuss the reasons why dogs dig and what you can do to help eradicate this problem. The first thing to realise is digging is not a problem for the dog. Most dogs dig, although some do more frequently with more zeal than others. Such breeds as terriers, which after all are earth dogs from the Latin terra for earth, are by their nature diggers as they follow vermin down underground. So why do dogs dig? And what is digging? Digging can involve breaking or scratching the surface of the ground, sometimes before sniffing, eating, defecating, urinating, or turning around a few times just before going to sleep. It's therefore a natural and normal behaviour. But there are six main reasons for digging. By digging, they themselves leave a scent mark of their own. They may dig because the object they find out underground is more interesting, or it plays with them, such as a tree root that bounces backwards and forwards. Like the terriers, dogs dig sometimes to find an animal that they hear or smell. Sometimes it's to extricate something to eat, maybe a buried bone, something like that. Sometimes it's purely because they're curious and no one is paying them any attention. Another major point is they thermoregulate because they are hot and trying to cool down so they dig themselves a hole to lie in. And sometimes it's because they're cold and trying to create some sort of shelter. Most of the information dogs require about their physical and social environment is likely done through the olfactory means. This is why dogs sometimes scratch before they eliminate. In addition to learning about who was there before them, they themselves contribute to the olfactory environment when they leave. Scratching before and after elimination itself contains olfactory information about a dog's seasonal behaviours, Easter cycle, social companionship and if the dog is an intruder. Dogs tend to scratch more when they are not on their own property or in areas where other dogs pass frequently. Because dogs sweat from their paws and there are sebaceous glands between the dog's foot pads which secretes oily substances, which although invisible are heavily informative to dogs because of their sensitive canine sensor. What can you do to stop the dog digging in your own garden and to prevent turning your lawn into an 18 hole golf course? As with most behaviours, the solution is to provide the dog with an incompatible alternative. If you have an old plastic bowl or a children's sandpit, put this into the garden. Fill the container with soft sand and place toys or food tidbits onto the surface. An ideal toy is the Kong in which you can hide food. Encourage your dog to explore this area and reward any sniffing, scratching or digging that occurs there, either with a clicker or a signal such as good boy. <laughs> 
whatever you used previously to reward the dog. Next, half bury the toy or treat and again encourage your dog to dig in this area, followed by lots of rewards, praise, etc. for doing this. After a few sessions, you can now fully bury the food and the toys. After all, why would your dog dig in hard clay when he can dig in soft sand and be guaranteed to find something? Your job then is just go out occasionally and refill the sandbox with toys or treats. Guest of the week. In this section, we'll be talking with owners, professional pet people on different topics affecting our pets. Our guest of the week is Alicia Downs from the Outpaws Dog Walking Service and we're discussing the older dog and when is it appropriate to say goodbye. This is something that's very close to my own heart as I have a 14-year-old colleague. Um, so Jim, what do you or how do you know when it is time to say goodbye to your beloved pet? It's a difficult one and obviously it depends on, on looking at a lot of factors. Uh, the age of the dog the breed of the dog all has an impact and i think that's what owners have to look at is the quality of life that the dog is having a really good one if it's impaired and no chance of being improved then you need to consider that time and it's a very very difficult thing for dogs owners to have to cope with it unfortunately you have to make the decision for your friend I've seen many dog owners who've left it too late. That dogs of quality of life has gone, um, and it may be for emotional reasons that it, it, the dog might be the last um, reminder of a departed parent, uh, and you feel loath to take that decision. But circumstances do come. Maybe the dog is soiling itself. It's not able to exercise. It's not eating properly. And you have to make that decision on, on welfare grounds. Uh, discuss with the rest of the family. Talk to your vet. Um, you'll know when that quality of life has gone. Uh, and the dog just seems to be depressed and anxious. And that's the decision time, I think, has been reached. It's a hugely then. emotional decision. And, um, yeah, I have a 14-year-old colleague, um, which he is still going strong. Um, I'm delighted of that. But, yes, every day I also have to consider sometimes he is going through his own little health issues. So, But do dogs not kind of know when time is up? It's more humans. As humans, we tend to um, inhibit that process. We delay it, as you said. Yes, um, it, it, we can be selfish as owners sometimes and forget about the, the friend. There's also, we go through a grieving process much as the same as we do with humans. The only difference is, and I had a, a friend at university who was doing her master's on, on bereavement of, with pets, you go through the same grieving process, the sort of denial and, and um, gradual acceptance, that that cycle of, of grief but it's much shorter with dogs mm -hmm. but there's one caveat and that is if you've made the decision to euthanize the dog there's a guilt that can come back to dog owners about that uh even though you begin to to have fond memories of the relationship you had with the dog there's always that thing that can suddenly just pop into your mind of you made that decision we yeah. had 
I made that decision. I took took your life, and it, it's just a normal occurrence uh, with that. But people get over that. Uh, I often have had people say, "Well, you know, that's the last dog I'm ever going to have. Never, I can't go through." <laughs> never the, the case. People always. I mean, I think if you're a dog person, um, you'll always be a dog person. I've met people out of my work who uh, have lost a, a fourteen or fifteen or seventeen year old or twenty year old dog. Um, and, uh, you know, they said, absolutely never, no way. And then, like, I got a call from them a few months later and they, they have, they've got um, um, a new puppy and sometimes a similar breed. But on the positives, there's a lot of, uh, there's an article today, Jim, that we were both having a look at earlier on, um, which was discussing the changes in modern vet procedures and, med- and meditation, which was actually meaning that dogs were living longer but obviously there's a lot of pressures on owners, you know, in terms of monitoring pressures on, on vets as well. But what, I mean, and also we were, we were both discussing the fact that we were looking at a fantastic, um, a fantastic kind of life clock or a human to dog clock or dog years to human clock on uh, the Purina site, which allows you to calculate um, your dog's life. But there, there is a lot of evidence coming out now. Am I right by saying that there is, dogs are living longer than they would have done, like, humans yes i think that that's true um the the old adage of seven years is one dog year is equivalent to seven human years isn't quite right because you have to take in the 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 size of the dog large dogs like wolfhounds and great danes have shorter lifespans than little jack russell terriers which you know, could be double or even triple the lifespan of a of a large dog. So the Purina site is very good for calculating your own dog's age. And it's interesting. In yeah. terms, sorry, Jim, go ahead. In terms of uh, medication and veterinary uh, input, um, we're also beginning to sort of not only able to treat dogs greater. Uh, and, and keep them alive for longer, but that in itself has a has a consequence, because now you're beginning to see doggy Alzheimer's, canine cognitive dysfunction, okay. which is wasn't really seen in 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 dogs because they didn't live long enough to to show the signs of it, and it can't be it can only be diagnosed through behaviour. So you might find a, a an elderly dog which sort of stares at a door thinking it's the it's the outside door when it's a cupboard door or they don't seem to recognize you or they stare off into the distance or the sleep patterns change and putting all these things together you can then begin to diagnose what could be canine cognitive disorder and there are ways to then limit its the extent of it you you can't reverse it but you can slow it down through um use of, of antioxidants and particular foods and and such so um there's a great deal of of work being done in the last 10 years on on this issue but as i say it never really existed beforehand because pe- dogs were dying younger yeah and i mean it's interesting the article that they obviously go through stages of life very similar to people as humans and that you know you know there is there is um kind of the research that's showing that their dogs are very similar to us in many important ways and i.e that you know they act like we would do three adolescents in old age and then like the dna as well obviously it's is, is usually important but that 
it was also talking about that researchers in Vienna had found that also dogs' personalities change over time, which is very similar to humans aging. And I can definitely, definitely uh, agree with on that because I have a 14-year-old colleague. I am seeing those little bits of signs of senility where he's, you know, hanging outside around at the very front door because then at least he knows somebody has to go past him to get out. So he knows then that's the exit. So he can keep an eye whereby... You know, I can come into the house now and he's he's partly deaf and he won't hear me. So um, I definitely think they, they definitely become more resourceful, maybe as well, a little bit smarter in, in, in how they uh, they uh, behave at home and their personalities. I mean, do you think dogs' personalities change as they get older? Oh, they do. They mellow with age, a bit like ourselves. And they also, that can be... Uh a sort of environmental thing that they are responding maybe to bits of arthritis and medical condition, heart conditions, which slow them down anyway. So they're not going to be, but they've also experienced the world for many years and sort of say, yeah, we've seen that. I don't have to react that. Yeah. I know what a doorbell is. I don't have to go panicky about it or get overexcited. It's just this sort of chill time. You'll find that they'll also sleep longer, older dogs than, than before and they're conserving the the energy and they, they mellow much you know they're looking for the sort of cardigan and slippers and a, a, a nice spot by the fire i mean that's totally absolutely acceptable for their age you know they've as you said they've gone through they've had, lived a great life they've experienced so much and yeah i definitely agree they do sleep more than also they do tend to wake up a lot um they're definitely uh, bigger snorers, if, if, if that's uh, an acumen of age. Um, but also as well, uh, on going back to um, going back, Jim, to um, I suppose the elder dog and Alzheimer's, like the dog Alzheimer's. Like, what do you do if you are starting to if you're starting to see those um, traits in your dog? I mean, obviously, veterinary care and medication is very important, and advice from professionals in that area but you know i guess it's creating a safer and more um um relaxing environment for them at home so they don't get or can you do anything that's just part of the process is it it's part of the aging process but you can make life a little bit more comfortable by keeping to regimes to routines uh, keeping the environment. Don't be changing the furniture around and, and doing your feng shui stuff. And, don't be you moving know, house. Dog, that doesn't help. <laughs> dog needs to know where its bed is and where and and you know that sort of uh, structure to its life will help it cope. Um, remember that not only do they go deaf, they go blind as well. Uh, of their eyesight isn't maybe as good. Um, they not sort of seeing objects as well. Maybe you could perhaps look at something like um, increasing the scent of of familiar objects by a little bit of cheap perfume or whatever, or create a sensory garden for them for for the middle aged and older dogs, so that they they may not see things, but they can certainly discover new things. A uh, little bit of excitement in the life through particular scents that come there. Scent is very important. We use it for our own memory, and I'm sure that dogs are much the same. So familiar scents are all going to be able to, to give an interest to the dog. 
I mean, obviously dogs age a lot faster than people do and that's down to DNA. Um, but I think the study was interesting because it was actually based on um, uh, Border Collies, which we obviously I'm biased. I have a, a Collie mix, but they are incredibly smart dogs. And um, um, it was interesting. I think that they were able to kind of, you know, do some different tests on their personality so you can actually see how they're changing. But I mean, is this kind of one of the first, I mean, most people, I don't know, there may be, you probably know a lot more about this in terms of research, but I mean, it's kind of interesting that they're doing this sort of research because they're looking to see the comparison, um, you know, with our DNA and how we age versus how they age and all the things that you said, you know, they become less active, they're less anxious, they just want to lie around, they just want more comforts, which is exactly similar to us. Um but the other things is that dogs can't tell us when they're not well and they're not uh, feeling well. So we have to kind of be the eyes and ears for them on, on that. So um, I guess I suppose the main thing would be also if you're very concerned that your dog is not well and it is elderly and senior that you make sure it's seen by a vet straight away. But I guess yeah. it's a very hard decision to, to put your dog down. And how is, but Some of the telltale signs of, of illness for all dogs is the the body needs to conserve its energy in order to fight off diseases and infections and such. So you'll often find that the, the dog will take up a posture where it's very curled up in itself because it wants to retain that heat. It doesn't waste want to waste energy on heating itself when it is actually fighting off a disease. So you, you'll, you'll see the, the change in the way that the dog is lying, and that's an indicator. These are only just sort of indications they may go off the food um are actually these, what about uh, increased um, increased appetite when they're older do you, is that something that can happen too ah uh, it depends on the individual dog um the, in general most dogs will eat what's put in front of them yeah that's true um, i was talking to a professor of um in ucd a nutritionist who was saying, you know, most dogs are overweight. And if your dog isn't finishing the food in its dish straight away, you're giving it too much. As he said, you, the dog should be polishing the floor with its bowl, not deciding to come back in half an hour to finish off what's left. Okay. Yes, that is definitely true. But I think with older dogs, I have to say, again, experience like yourself, you've experienced it too. You find that they will eat uh, a little bit and then some days they won't want much at all. And then some days they're a lot hungrier. So I always do think, is it wrong to give them a little bit of an extra feed because they're older? Like less in the morning and more in the evening. It depends as much on what you're feeding. Yeah. Um, the, there are many diets now which are out there for the older dog because the requirements are different for an older dog as to, say, a puppy or a, a, an adolescent yeah. or a, a mature dog. And some of these foods are sort of balanced towards that. Sometimes they'll have particular things in for the older dog. As I was saying, sometimes for um, doggy Alzheimer's, there are antioxidants within within the food, which helps um, stabilize the the. the cognitive function of the dog so it's do a little bit of research if your dog is willing to eat feed it but not necessarily ad lib uh, but for the dogs who are maybe borderline um 
in terms of their cognitive function. It's about trying to keep to meal times, trying to keep a routine and structure going there. Absolutely. And I definitely think you're right. There is definitely different types of food and, um, you know, moving away from uh, not all meat, but obviously I have, I've read up, I have brought on special food, senior food, more protein, more carbohydrates, and also, um, yeah, keeping them, keeping the crude levels down on his food as well. So he's not um, putting on additional weight because they do definitely gain weight as well. Um, well, they're doing less exercise. You know, it's a simple thing. If you, if you, if you eat more and do less exercise, you put weight on. Yeah, I know. And Unfortunately, a kilo in a, in a dog is the equivalent of a stone on a human. Exactly. Um, I actually don't, I mean, yes, I totally agree with you, but obviously, as you know, um, Mr. Brock is kind of out and about with me a lot, but yes, definitely on a normal basis. Um, I definitely think that you need to reduce their feed if they're not doing as much exercise. Absolutely. Um, and Jim, you know, what's your views on, uh, uh, and obviously it's a sensitive subject, but what will your views be on with like some people I've heard that, you know, if they don't want to bring their dog to a vet to be put down euthanized, that you can request that your dog or the vet or a nurse can attend your home and do it in a more, uh, in the environment that is obviously the dog is used to. I mean, have you heard of, of alternatives of this? Because I definitely know that there's a lot more um, sort of new ways of, I suppose, dealing with that. You know, events can be very difficult, very disturbing, very um, traumatic for the dog as well. It can be. I think it depends on, on your relationship with the vets. Our own vets uh, did call up to put down um, our German Shepherd a few years ago, uh, he made a house call to do that. And we said goodbye. He was in his favourite chair. We're talking about the dog here, not the vet's favourite chair. And he came <laughs> was very good about that. Yeah. Um, I think some vets have taken this on board and will do home visits. Some vets also have a very quiet place where they will let the dog and the owner say their farewells. Uh, some actually light a candle in the waiting room so that the the rest of the people can understand that when the candle is lit or there's a there's a sign that says, you know, someone is saying goodbye to their friend. And so there's not going to be that sort of uh, extraneous noise. And most are very sympathetic. They understand the relationship that we have with our dogs and they'll take their time over saying that. Um, I had the unfortunate thing last year of having to take a dog down on which had come into the kennels elderly and with a few health problems and the owners were away and the decision had to be made in consultation with the vet and eventually I got hold of, of the family even though they're on holiday in the UK and the decision was made and thankfully there was uh, the owner's daughter was here in Dublin and was able to come with me to the vet and we we did that and it was a very sort of peaceful um, goodbye to the dog. We took it for a short walk and everything else. And the woman was saying just how how good the vets were to 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 her, and the family were very thankful that they've been a, a member there to say goodbye to the dog, because it is traumatic, um, and it's it's something we all have to face, unfortunately. And particularly if you're a young child, we've got to remember as well. This is probably their first experience of loss Death. like that. Yeah. Um, but it is one of the 
educating things about dogs and our relationship with them is that they do provide the opportunity for us to understand about grief before maybe a, a grandparent or something like that for a child to understand what's what's going on there's a natural end to to life um i think that's beautifully said and i totally agree with you um i've had family members who have uh you know lost obviously very close fam other family members and we've had dogs that we've lost over the years and the relationship they've built with them but i definitely feel um Actually, in more cases, probably the more dogs that we've, we've probably had just to try and kind of, you know, bring back memories of uh, uh, of our own family members that have passed mm. on. It's important to recognise that not everyone understands the emotional difficulties you go through with the, with the death of a dog. Unless you've gone through it yourself, you people will dismiss, but it was only a pet, it was only a dog and get over it and what you're going on. Another dog owner understands that, and there are sort of grief counsellors out there for dogs owners to help them through this process because it can be traumatic. Just as you were saying, it can remind you of family members who have gone, of, of human relationships that have ended in this way. So it's not something to to be summarily dismissed as, ah, it was only a dog, oh, God, what are you going on about? It was... You have to appreciate that grieving process that people go through. Absolutely. And I think that is a lovely um, point to end it on. Jim, thank you so much. And I really, again, appreciate all your input into this discussion, which is a difficult one for all of us to have. Um, thanks again. Thank you. That's all for today from the Pets Behave podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions on pets, topics you want covered, Contact us by email at info at petsbehave.com or check out our Facebook page and blog. Time, enjoy your pets, stay safe, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Bye now.